Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass. Today we have founder of custom mobile app, John Lee, live from Pennsylvania, USA. And though John is a very good tech person, an entrepreneur, and he loves talking about tech, but today uh, we will talk about things much different than that, which are much more actually necessary in today's life. And we'll be talking about love, we will talk about universe, and we'll talk about the metaverse. And then we will talk about Web 3.0, about his podcast app business, and also about the meta stuff itself. So John, thank you very much for this, for your time for this particular show. Uh, it's great to have you today. And as I can see, we'll, we'll talk about all that stuff but I guess it's morning down there and it's around 10 o'clock mm -hmm. and That's the right. sun, it's a rising sun that you see. And out here it's 8.30 in the mm -hmm. evening and it's the moon that I can see from my balcony. Mm -hmm. So the sun, the moon, they all are, have been, you know, depicted in different forms when writers, poets, lovers, they have seen all this and talk about love. You know, they have seen love in different forms, in the form of moon, the sun, and they have defined it in different manners. I ask you, John, what to you love is all about? Okay, yeah, that's a big question. Um, I think love is the foundation for a lot of important concepts. So one of the first things I realized about love is uh, love seems to be purposeful. So when I think about loving my son or loving my wife, I realize that love doesn't mean I just want good things to happen for that person. It also means I want them to become a particular kind of person. So I want my son to have good things happen, but I also want my son to grow up to be a wise and mature and a good person, right? So that's when I realized that there's this purposeful element inside love. And then that got me thinking about purpose um, uh, and my purpose. So um, tying purpose to meaning is another connection that I saw. Um, I think a lot of people nowadays feel a lack of meaning in their lives. I think it's the cause of a lot of mental health problems, anxiety and depression, because people um, have lost the sense of that their lives matter, that their work matters, that their relationships matter. But um, the idea of purpose I think ties into meaning. Um, I think meaning only makes sense in the context of purpose. So the story that I, the example I give is in, in every good story, there is a hero and the hero of the story has a purpose or else it wouldn't be a story, right? The hero, um, maybe the purpose of the hero is to go to the mountain, slay the dragon, get the gold and bring it back to their village. Maybe that's the story. And the purpose of the hero is is that. So everything that the hero experiences on the journey becomes meaningful in light of the purpose. Maybe they um, face monsters, maybe they find gold or whatever along the way. All those events, all of those events become meaningful because of the purpose. If you take away the purpose, all the events that happen to that hero become meaningless. They just become random events, essentially. So that got me thinking about how important purposes to uh, our sense of meaning. Um, 
Yeah, I'd love to maybe maybe throw it back before I throw it back to you. Um, on that sense of meaning, going back to like the the experience of looking at the moon and the sun, when I look at nature and I see beautiful things like that in nature, a lot of people um, experience a sense of meaning. When you look at a beautiful sunset, you look at a beautiful sky full of stars, people tend to feel like, wow, this matters. This experience matters. The experience of beauty in nature is accompanied by a sense of meaning. And so um, if one thinks about that, maybe they can they can be led to thinking, okay, well, what purpose makes sense? Is make, what purpose makes sense of this experience of meaning I'm having right now as I behold something beautiful? So, I'll throw it back to you. What, what do you think of that, that chain of thought? Yeah, see, love, as they say, it's different to different people. And if you try to look love in a very confined manner, then you would be like, uh, almost like suffocating the one you love. So love is is endless and it does not, uh, it cannot be confined. I guess love is more about care. The way you want to love is like, it's like gold. You know, gold is brittle. Brittleness is what makes it, it the most costly metal in that sense. So that brittleness that love gives, if you use that in a proper sense, then it becomes a boon. But if, if that brittleness or that flexibility in relationships, if you don't give, then that becomes a curse. And that is why you see in today's time, talking of today's time, when you got so many relationships happening, you know, so many chances of relationships happening every moment are so much high. Whether you meet people in different forms, or the technologies that are that are there to help you, whether it's through Facebook, it's through all different sort of even on WhatsApp, or so many different you know dating apps and Tinder and Bumble, or whatever. So many of them. So, so the numerous apps are there and they help you meet. Mm -hmm. But what do you do after that? Even mm -hmm. in marriages, there is so much of conflict. The rising amount of conflict that we see nowadays. So that is where you know you want you tend to revisit how you look at love because that is said that if you look at it from a very closed prism or closed mindset, then you will perhaps never find love. Whereas mm -hmm. you see earlier on, there used to be so many books, even on in Indian culture, there have been so many books where you know there is uh, where they talk to the uh, talk to the clouds and ask them to send to take their message to their beloved mm -hmm. or they talk to the moon and they, then they try to uh, you know talk as if they are talking to their beloved mm -hmm. or you see in alchemist paulo colo he uh, he he defines that love is also like the relationship between the earth and the sun that you got to you know some love has to be to maintain certain distance otherwise they will harm each other the sun cannot come more closer to earth otherwise life will vanish that is a different kind of love so it all mm. depends on how you see love from your perspective and the better perspective you have the more chances you get or you have to find somebody you can cherish for all your life and yeah. perhaps for the for, for time more more time that's why called it's a soulmate what does a soulmate mean how would i would rather 
throw back the question to you, John. Mm -hmm. How do you see love in today's time? And from, see, I come from a very different background. In India, we see things much more differently, especially among, from in India itself, I belong to a particular uh, sort of a family, come from a joint family mm -hmm. or a community which is a bit conservative, uh, uh, not closed, but conservative, and, uh, but we value relationships in a very, very different manner. And mm -hmm. in, if you ask from my family point of view, a word called divorce is almost like sacrilege. Mm -hmm. I don't remember in my larger family or in my whole clan, there is a word divorce ever used. I don't know of, of late, but this is how it is. Mm -hmm. I would like to know, understand from your perspective, yeah. where society is a bit different than India. Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's so many, so many things I want to comment on, but just maybe staying with the cultural piece of it. I, I completely agree. And I forgot that um, here in America and in the West, we have a different emphasis on love than in the East, like in India. Um, here in the West for a long time, I, I guess you would call them love marriages is the norm here. Um, falling in love is a really important cultural concept in America. Um, so a lot of people live for that feeling of falling in love with somebody else. And so that's a big difference, I think, between our cultures. But um, if I can just talk about maybe that experience, I'm in India too, people fall in love all the time, right? It's one of the most powerful human experiences there is. Absolutely. And I think when I think about that experience, uh, when I fall in love with somebody, part of that is uh, beholding the beauty of that person. I find that person beautiful and um, there is a delight as part of that enjoyment of that person for themselves. So I delight in this person, not as a means to an end, but I delight in that person as an end in, in his or herself. So there's that yes. aspect of, of love and beauty are tied together in that way. I think the experience of love um, is one of the most powerful experiences of beauty uh, there there is. So that, um, yeah, so, uh, and you mentioned the sun and the moon and how love on, love between human beings can sometimes be reflected in like a cosmic frame of reference as well. A lot of poets you mentioned uh, speak about love, not only in relation between people, but yeah, in, in the, the transcendent dimension or transcendent realm. I also believe human love, and especially that experience of being in love and beholding the beauty of the person that you love, points to a higher perfect love. Um, not the sun and the moon, or not, not their relationship, but in my worldview, I believe that God is love. So in the Christian worldview, yes. there is a line, right. God is love. And so love is at the center of the universe. God creates the universe. If God is love, then love is the foundation or at the center, however you want to talk about it. It is the most real thing there is in the universe. Love, love is the most real thing. And you know, if God exists, then he, would, he or she would be defined as the most beautiful. Like by definition, God would be the most beautiful being there is. And for me, that makes a lot of sense because if love is the most beautiful thing there is and God is the most beautiful thing there is, there is this confluence of ideas there. God, 
as the most beautiful because he is the source of all love. So th those ideas seem to come together for me in that way. Uh, I wonder what you think of, of those ideas. Yeah, yeah. That's why you see you become God when you actually fall in real love, true love, isn't it? Like or that. you say, mm -hmm. yes, yeah. real, real, real love makes you God. You know, you be, makes you the best version of yourself, isn't it? Yeah, no, that's, I, that's... I think being in love it transforms people, right? It completely transforms people. Um, I think it makes them, it can make them better. Being in love makes one uh, more generous, right? You think of the other person before yourself, more sacrificial, more kind. Like love has an incredible power to transform an individual. And I think what you're saying is it's participating in something divine at that point. Absolutely. And you see, talking about cosmic connect, mm -hmm. I'll tell, talk about here about Plato's symposium. You see, this man, you know, around 400 BC, uh, Plato, he, was, he went to a banquet uh, that was hosted by one of his colleagues or friends. Socrates was also there, you know. And the discussion they had around dinner is known as Plato's Symposium. Mm -hmm. And I'll read out when he talks about, you know, so, so that cosmic connect we will find. Mm -hmm. So there, you know, they say that love is simply the name for the desire and pursuit of the whole. And love is the name for our pursuit of wholeness, for our desire to be complete. And he whom love touches not walks in darkness. Now, the thing is, you know, the background to this is that one of the participants, he said, and that is where the cosmic part comes in, that humans were so powerful, you know, powerful that even gods were slightly, you can say, afraid in a way. So they say that according to Greek mythology, humans were originally created with four arms, four legs and a head with two faces, fearing their power. Zeus split them into two separate parts, hmm. condemning them to spend their lives in search for the other halves. So I guess that is what the love, what love is all about. If you actually look at look at it, and when you actually meet the other person, or you, hmm. which is which is what you call the soulmate, mm -hmm. you are actually searching for yourself mm -hmm. in somebody else who is not somebody else but a part mm -hmm. of your own, mm -hmm. but you don't know. And mm -hmm. then they say. And when one of them meets the other half, the actual half of himself, whether he be a lover of youth or a lover of another sort, the pair are lost in an amazement of love and friendship and intimacy. And one will not be out of the other side, as I may say, even for a moment. Absolutely. Yeah, I, that's amazing. I completely agree with that. And I can see parallels with that view. And the story of Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve, God made man initially. Um, but eventually, he saw that it was not good for man to be alone, so he creates woman. And uh, so from the beginning, that relationship um, between a man and a woman is at the center of humanity. Um, and that relationship reflects, uh, yeah, this goes, this goes kind of deep, but I, I said before, God is love, right? Love only makes sense between persons it's it doesn't really make sense for an individual um to be the source of love and, and so in christianity there's this idea of uh, a trinity 
the idea that God is three persons in one, uh, I don't know, I don't know the right terminology, but it's like three persons in one God head, in one deity, I think. So even though we believe in one God, we also believe in this community of persons that are distinct from one another in continual relationship with one another from the beginning, from forever. They've always been in community. They've always been in a loving relationship with one another from forever past. And so God is love makes sense um, within that community, within the deity. And then when he makes man and woman in his own image, he's making them because they have to relate to one another in a loving relationship um, in order to be whole. That's a reflection of God's own community of love that he exists within forever. So I see some parallels there and like Plato's idea that the the first man is split into two. Um, I see, yeah, uh, an overlap in ideas there with the Christian worldview also. Yeah. Uh, John, tell me, uh, today is a very fast changing world. So how does one differentiate between love and obsession? Hmm. How does one know today? Because... So let me just, I'll just think out loud. I think love is different from obsession because I think true love would be self-sacrificial. It would, it would be about the other person. It wouldn't be about me. So if I were in love, um, I would, I would wish for the benefit of my beloved above my own benefit. I think obsession is maybe a, a reversal of that. An obsession is um, yes, maybe you're obsessed with the other person, but ultimately it, there's a selfishness to that obsession. Um, it's Maybe it's a feeling of I want to possess the other person. It's more self-centered. So I would call love um, as maybe external focus or other-centered, whereas maybe obsession is more self-centered and selfish and seeking to please my own desires rather than pleasing the desires of the beloved. What do you think about that distinction? Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Love is not about just you. It's about somebody else. And when it's about somebody else, it's actually also about you Mm -hmm. as per Plato's Symposium. So you see, it all depends on the way you see things. If you can't see, uh, if you see it in a very narrow level, then you will not be able to find anything. Uh, And if you see it in a wider sense, then you'll find everything, you know, everything is within you. That comes to me, uh, to, uh, that, let, that makes me come to the bigger question is that it's like the universe, the favorite topic of yours, that if you see universe from in a very open manner, then you find so many things. And if you see it in a very close manner, then you lose everything. You just are self-centered around your own self, you know. And, and that is where, so what is your understanding of universe? What is universe vis-a-vis us? How do we yeah. see that? So I want to go back to the idea that love is at the center, <clears throat> center of the universe. So in Absolutely. my worldview, right, God is love and God is the creator of the universe. So therefore, love would have to be like woven into the fabric of the universe. And so the example that I think of, for myself is at the end of life, at the end of my life, um, the, the thing I'm gonna care most about, I'm sure, are my relationships. Like on the last day of my life, 
Um, I'm not going to care as much about my achievements, my successes professionally, maybe the wealth I've accumulated, or you know, even all the good things I've done in the world. I think what's going to be at the top of the list is, was I a good father? Was I a good husband? Was I a good friend? Sure. I mean, if I, if I succeed in life and have many achievements, that will be nice. But I think well above that feeling of satisfaction for my achievements will be, yeah, my relationships. How good were my relationships and how, um, yeah, how good of a, of a father and a son and a brother and all, all these things will be most important to me. So that makes sense to me if love and relationship are at the center of reality. And I think um, that experience is common. I don't think there, there is anyone uh, who goes to the end of their life uh, caring about not having worked more or not having achieved more. I think they all care about maybe, I wish I'd spent more time with my family and friends. I wish I'd spent more time yeah, with the people I love. So that to me is confirmation that woven into the fabric of the universe and at the center of everything is love. I wonder what you think about that. Right, right. Okay, so I will, when, when you talk about love and uh, universe, I'll read one line from, you know, the alchemist from Paul Collier. Okay, that I, if I'm pronouncing it correct. He says, we are travelers on a cosmic journey, stardust, swirling and dancing in the eddies and whirlpools of infinity. Life is eternal. We have stopped for a moment to encounter each other, to meet, to love, to share. This is a precious moment. It is a little parenthesis in eternity. Yeah, it's beautiful. So oh. how does one make the best of it when you got a small, small time in this, you know, in this universe and, you know, on this earth? Love, yeah. universe, and your existence almost like a bubble. How do you see that? Yeah, one of the tips I've learned recently, I think it, um, it's probably very common, is to remember that I'm going to die. So remember and remind myself that I'm not going to live forever on the earth. I've only got maybe, if I'm lucky, right, 30 more years to go, maybe 40 more years. Who knows? I could die tomorrow. Um, so remembering that my life is going to end, and remembering that at the end, what I'm going to care about most is how much time I spent with the people I love and how well I love them should help me today prioritize what you know, my time. How should I be spending my time today? Certainly, if at the end of my life, um, the most important things are going to be how I spent my time with my family and with the people I love, then certainly today I should be spending a good chunk of my time with the people I love so I think that's a helpful tactic um, to make sure that we're living today to the fullest and not wasting our time and working on the wrong priorities. That's that's a good good way of uh, putting it, uh, John. In in fact, if you realize uh, and, and not in a fearful way that your time on Earth or one's time on Earth is limited and you got a role to play. And you've got to find your other half. And you've got so much other to, uh, stuff to do, you know. And, and you've got to come back again if you believe the Indian uh, way of thinking. Hmm. Then you would be, try and make this a better place and spread more love around. Okay. 
tell me one thing what do you see what is care different from love or is it the same thing or is it an extension or is it something else care i think care is a kind of love yeah i mean there are different kinds of love right um falling in love is not the only kind there's friendship um there's the care for our neighbors so i think yeah these are all different kinds of love but uh they're all important because it seems to me in my world view that love is at the center of the universe like i said it's woven into the fabric of reality so to the degree that i am loving the people in my life well then i believe that i am progressing in my purpose in this life um so tying it back to my purpose is grounded in god's love for me so he's got a purpose for me because he loves me and i don't know what that purpose is in in the particulars i may not know the details of that but what i do know is it must be tied to how i love the people in my life so those my purpose and loving my neighbor as myself are not going to be two different things um the 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 latter is going to be the way to the former so loving my neighbor as myself is going to be the way that i achieve my purpose whatever that purpose is that god has given me so yeah that's that's my model of maybe morality as the map or the means to achieving my purpose does that make yeah. sense yeah yeah in fact you see you yourself put it initially we were trying to find god then you said that love is the center of universe mm-hmm. and and obviously only god can be at the center of everything isn't it mm-hmm. so in a way we we people may accept it or not accept it or would like to accept it in different forms but there is something which is which is good and which mm-hmm. is spreading good all the time you know yeah uh, mm-hmm. amidst all the dark darkness everywhere yeah. so mm-hmm. so yes so we got we found some 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 answer to our you know though it's an endless search and everybody got to find uh, the meaning for their own selves nobody else can find it for them mm-hmm. you know even the heartbreaks mm-hmm. and the heartaches will help you find the true person in your life isn't it yeah so i think what you're saying is and i completely agree uh, there are signals everywhere to the reality of what i believe is god so the experience of beauty is just one signal right the experience of a beautiful sunset or hearing beautiful music and especially falling in love i think um that experience of falling in love and beholding the beauty of a beloved person i think is is an especially strong signal that points to god being at the center of the universe and god being love so um yeah i think for those that are aware and awake to all the signals that are um, happening in our lives and our lived experience um guilt right if we if we hurt someone and we feel guilty if we break the moral law whatever our moral law is for ourselves and we feel a sense of guilt and shame i think that's a signal it's like um it's a signal telling me that i am not living into my purpose it's telling me i'm off track and then yeah if if one were to keep thinking along those lines like okay what is my purpose if this feeling of guilt at harming someone and not loving someone the way i ought to is going off track from my purpose um and then what is my purpose all those questions i think lead to 
this idea that there is a transcendent God who is love um, at the center of the universe or behind the universe. So, John, tell me, do you believe in one universe or you think there are many universes, multiverse? I I don't know. I have no opinion on that. Um, yeah. No opinion? Know. Okay. Yeah. Okay, tell me one thing. I've read several places, even in English movies I've seen, mm-hmm. some people believe that we have a parallel existence in different, you know, you can say different planets or different mm-hmm. universes at the same time. Some people believe that it's around in seven places in the universe at the same time. And that's an alternative relative, uh, you know, reality of yours. Yeah. What do you, what is your view on that? Oh, I, I mean, that's a fun idea. Um, I'd love to watch movies like that. It's just, it's a fun idea. But I haven't thought about whether that's real or not, or if it's real, what the implications are. So I don't know if I can comment very much on, on that. Yeah, you, but just like, yeah, yeah let, let's look at it this way. You know, so many machi- uh, movies have been made on, you know, Time Machine. Mm-hmm. So time machine, I don't know many people from a scientific point of view, you see, they say it cannot happen. You know, if you, you can't go back and alter things, mm. but the movies are nice. It gives you a sense of, you know, good feeling, mm. whether that happens or not. We don't know. We will not be around perhaps when it happens or it, you know, mm. but even the reality of a parallel world sometimes, you know, gives you, it's like the belief, belief system. Nobody knows whether that belief is correct or incorrect, but it gives you certain, you know, something of a solace to survive. It's like hope. Mm. A parallel system, you you start thinking that, okay, if I've made something wrong here, I've done some wrong or something, I got a chance to correct it in some parallel world. Even it is to, you know, to uh, give you yourself any false hope, right hope, good hope, but yeah. So maybe it all depends, but but it's yeah. it's an idea out there. It all depends on individuals. Yeah, I think what I'm hearing from you is um, uh, maybe the the benefit of worldviews. We all have a worldview, right? <clears throat> a lot of us have a religious worldview on top of just the material um, things we can see, hear, smell, touch, right? We all, a lot of us, believe in a in an immaterial. Uh, dimension or some people call it a spiritual world overlapping our physical world. I think one of the questions that comes to my mind is, um, yeah, like how is it helpful? Like, does that help explain the experiences in this world, in my physical world? I think the more explanatory power there is, um, maybe you can compare worldviews by their explanatory power um, for explaining my my personal lived experience in this physical world, maybe there's a way to compare and and maybe choose ones that best explain my my personal experience. Um, yeah, so that's that's an idea that that came oh, to mind. Oh, just just as a, a last thought. So like th- my worldview, which is what I've been talking about in the conversation. Okay. In the Western world, there is a lot of talk of redemption. You know. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so when does what is the time span of redemption in one's life Mm. is it only related to his you know human lifespan Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. is it that his lifespan ends Mm -hmm. because of whatever reasons does he still and is it the end of it is Mm -hmm. he does he face the day of the judgment 
or is it it is does it go beyond that for uh, and it gets a chance for redemption you know mm, yeah, in yeah. indian context if you look we have a you know this theory of rebirth mm -hmm. again and again till the time you know you are back to you know the zero sum theory or you back to square one mm -hmm. and then you get one with the brahma uh, yeah mm -hmm. brahma yeah uh, you know mm -hmm. so that's 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 where i ask you from your point of view yeah 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 where oh, where yeah. do the where does does redemption has a time limit and yeah. and if not then is it is it justified that one gets only a human life only to do it yeah i love the question oh i've never even been asked this question but i want to think about it right now um from my perspective so from within my worldview i don't think redemption is possible like i don't think self-redemption is possible so in your worldview obviously um people are born and reborn and reborn because of the possibility of self-redemption there is at least the possibility that a, that a person can um, live a successful enough life to escape the wheel and be one with brahma right there's the possibility i think in my worldview and maybe the christian worldview i don't think there's a possibility of self-redemption so there's a big difference i think there in my worldview i think the the only possibility of redemption is an outside intervention so what, what i mean by that is the only possibility for me as a human being to to be redeemed of my sins and my mistakes um, is to be forgiven and that forgiveness is an act from the outside so god must forgive me in order for me to be forgiven in order for me to um, be absolved of my sin uh, and maybe my impurity or however you want to talk about that so i think so, that's a big difference so what x a lot of people in the western world to do charity good work mm -hmm. you know uh, to do yeah. so much of good work people give all their lives money for good work you know yeah yeah and and, and they, whenever they 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 realize that it's it's time to do something good after mm. you know i've there are stories of fighter pilots who have bombed bomb cities and they realize that it was a job to do but mm. at then at the end of the day they come to the human self you know yeah. and they yeah. find that you know they need redemption out of it absolutely so yeah how, yeah how do, how do you see that oh no that's i love that question gosh uh, so you're right. I think the need for redemption is basic. Isn't it unfair that they get only a small chance in life? Well, to... so, so here, here's, here's where I'd go with that. So I think the need, that, that uh, instinct or need for redemption is in every human being. So that fighter pilot is feeling guilt and feels the need to redeem, that, redeem themselves through good works. So this is like a basic desire in people. They want to make things right. A lot of people give to charity and do good works to try to redeem themselves, to save themselves from the guilt and to feel okay, like inside to feel like, all right, I'm okay now. I've made up for the wrongs that I've done. I think that's real. Um, but like I said before, I think it's impossible for a person to achieve um, that self-redemption, to achieve redemption on their own based on all their good works. Um, so like my belief is that the only way for myself or that fighter pilot or, or, some, or the murderer or whoever has 
made mistakes in life, which is all of us, for any of us to, um, to arrive at absolution, to arrive at peace, to arrive at redemption, this requires an act of forgiveness. So God must forgive me for my my mistakes and my sins, I must be forgiven. And that forgiveness must be received. It's not something that I can achieve with charity and good works and doing good deeds within my lifetime. It's impossible to achieve. Forgiveness Forgiveness is impossible to achieve. Forgiveness and redemption and absolution can only be received from God. So I think that's my, my perspective. That's my worldview. And I think that's very different from probably your worldview where... No, no, no. Perfectly it, all right. Every view is every view is right. Mm-hmm. It all depends on where you stand and every view has to be respected. Mm-hmm. And everybody has to live with the way they see things and they are free to do so. Mm-hmm. As I said, nobody is right and nobody is wrong. Everybody is right. You know, well, and that's the way it is. One thing you, I wanted to add, you asked before about charity. Why do people in the West give so much charity um, and you know, make donations and give their money to good causes and things. I think, of course, yeah, some of that maybe is out of guilt, right? People give out of guilt a lot because they feel like they ought to. Um, but I think, um, I think a lot of the giving is also based out of gratitude. So right. within my worldview, um, we're supposed to give not in order to achieve redemption. We're supposed to give to charity and do good things because we've already received that. We've received forgiveness from God. We've received peace and we've received uh, redemption. Therefore, I I should be generous and I should give to charity and I should do good works as an expression of thanksgiving. So that's where um, I think our worldviews would maybe influence the motivations for giving. Yeah. You know, John, uh, something very difficult for a human is to tell that he's a sinner. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult for somebody to accept because it's very difficult to pinpoint to yourself. Mm-hmm. And if somebody understands that inadvertently or, you know, day to day work that you do, you may have sinned in some way or the other. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a redemption in itself, you know, and that's why you come down to correcting things and doing better and become a better human being. You know, Mm -hmm. everybody is not perfect. You cannot be perfect. And even if you are a good person, you may have to do so much, whether you are in a corporate world, you are into a job that demands different sort of a, you know, performance of duty. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, you should know who you are and what, whether you have done something wrong or right. So Mm -hmm. I guess, the fact that you understand and very few people are able to do that, that you have done something wrong. Oh, yeah. People have a tendency to say all the time that I'm I'm right. I'm right. Even, oh, yeah. even the biggest of, you know, biggest of criminals. It's very mm-hmm. difficult for them to say or they think they have done everything right in the right spirit. You know, that's Absolutely. what they what, what they should. So I guess you see, every as, as I said, everybody has to look at. It's the same everywhere, whatever yeah. philosophies or whatever it is. Good, John. I mean, I'm also learning a lot of things from, from you. I just wanted to understand, you know, you have a lot of interest in the experience of beauty uh, and the answer to the meaning crisis. 
Can you explain that to us? It's an interesting topic, you know? Yeah, um, thank you. I just, maybe a, it's a re reiteration of what I've been saying before. I think uh, yeah, the experience of beauty is often accompanied by a, uh, a sense of meaning, that this experience is meaningful. I talked about falling in love and that beholding of the beauty experience uh, feels meaningful. And then, so I think if, if we just stop there, I think that would be a good step toward um, or a good step out of anxiety and depression. Like fill your life with beautiful things and beautiful experiences and you're going to feel more meaningful. But I think um, one could take more steps and follow that track to um, maybe exploring the sense of meaning, uh, sorry, the sense of purpose that that meaning is tied to, that sense of meaning is tied to. And we talked about purpose and um, what, what is the purpose of my life? Is it something that I make for myself or is it something that is given to me from outside? I think these are really good thoughts to explore. Um, and ultimately, I think the strongest foundation for sustaining a sense of meaningfulness in one's life is to have a, an objective purpose, not a purpose that I've created, but a purpose that's been given to me because then it's anchored in reality. It's anchored outside of myself and it, it isn't dependent on how I feel. Um, so that's, I think, one of the benefits of, of the Christian worldview is that our purpose is given to us from the outside. God gives me a purpose and therefore my life is meaningful and the sense of uh, the meaningfulness of my life is, is not dependent on how I feel about it day to day. It's anchored in the, the objective purpose that is on my life. And so I think that um, gives a sense of stability, I think emotional stability to a person. Um, it has these benefits of, I think, uh, yeah, sustaining a person through their life and protecting them from so, so what is, how does one find out what their, what's their purpose in life? How does one find that? Um, there are different ways, I think, to discover that. I don't think there's like a formula for it. And like I said before, I don't have to know the specifics so, see, of my purpose. Why I ask, John, is that people are on in different paths. While we talk, people are on different paths and they think that they are right. Even, for example, that will be a crude example. But even for, for a thief or a decoit or a, or even somebody who has done some heinous crimes, you know, are, are about to do it as we speak. Mm -hmm. or, or people who are doing, you know, frauds and people not doing the right stuff for humankind. How, what do you tell them? Yeah. Haven't they found their purpose or is it, mm. is it that they have moved the wrong way? So yeah. it isn't, you know, you, you are a learned person. You have spent so much of time to think about it. And, and, you know, a lot of people are listening. I will listen to it, listening right now, seeing right now. So how does, in whatever amount of knowledge that you have gathered in your lifetime till now, yeah. so you, how does one find the purpose? Yeah, Ajay, you mentioned human experience and how it's the same. It doesn't matter where you live, what your religion is. Our human experiences are, are for the most part, I think, very similar. We all experience guilt and joy and you know, a sense of meaning. We all have similar internal experiences. I think the one of the ways to, to identify your purpose is to be aware and recognize 
what your heart is telling you. So if you feel guilty, you should not ignore that. Like if you're about right. to do something that's, that's, wrong. That's a great point. Sorry to interrupt you, but that's a wonderful point you have made, John, that if you feel guilty about something, uh, it means your subconscious is telling you something. Yeah, carry on. Exactly. Just, yeah. So yeah. that's information. That's uh, a signal, like I said, um, telling you you're off course, like you're you're not following your purpose. Guilt would be a signal that you're not following your purpose. Uh, maybe the experience, the joy of joy. I think joy is a signal that you are following your purpose. If you are experiencing joy in a particular activity, maybe you're in flow and your time is going by and you don't realize the time is going by because you're so engaged and enjoying a particular activity. Maybe it's making music or writing or doing art or whatever it is, running. Um, that's a signal that you're living into your purpose. So I think listening to your emotions and taking them seriously is a good way to yeah, narrow down on what your particular purpose might be. Everyone has different interests just naturally, right? My interests are different from yours. And even siblings, twins are born with different interests. Listen to those interests. Um, follow your, uh, people say, what do they say? Follow your, your joy or something. I think these are all signals. Don't ignore your guilt. Um, because again, like in my worldview, love is going to be tied in with purpose, right? So don't ignore your 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 conscience when it raises the alarm and says, "Oh, you're off course. You're not you're not living into your purpose. You're off track." So, John, you are a techie. You are a tech expert. You deal with machines. You deal with software, hardware, computers, artificial intelligence, machine learning all the time. That's your bread and butter. And you are also a very sensitive human being, if I can call you that. Uh, somebody who introspects these things from inside, you know, and also outside goes down to the universe and see things. How do you balance these two things, you know? Yeah, that's, that just goes back to my interests. I didn't choose my interests. They, they choose us, right? Um, I just enjoy thinking about these ideas. It's a natural curiosity. I also enjoy thinking about building software to help people. It's another interest. So it's not it's not a balancing act for me. For me, it's just following my interests. And so basically, it's part of your being, I, I can say. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. So uh, let's now get to the real world. Uh, many people may think that we are talking uh, something out of this world. It is not. Is it actually what human beings are all about? Mm -hmm. And perhaps the most important thing, if we look at it that way. But to matters more material and much more you know, real, perhaps for people to understand. Let's talk about your business. You are a founder of Custom Mobile App, you know. Uh, can you tell uh, tell us more about your business, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a small business um, that I run on the side. I create mobile applications for podcasts. It's a very simple, yeah. small but, agency. But, but, yeah, yeah. But, but you make them at a very competitive price, I guess $20, $25, you know. Uh, how, how do you manage that and who can utilize your service? So the way we manage that is we have a, a system kind of like WordPress or Squarespace. I don't know if you guys are aware of these uh, content management systems. Uh, nowadays, I do, I do. Yeah, so I nowadays do. you can build a website for very cheaply. 
and use these tools to very quickly build a website. So we use a tool like that, um, still very powerful to build mobile applications. And our customers are content creators like yourself, podcasters, mm -hmm. sometimes uh, vloggers, uh, YouTubers, bloggers. So these folks um, have a website and you know it's been too expensive to build a mobile app for their content. But with our agency, we can build a branded mobile app for their show and have it in the App Store and Google Play at a very, very accessible and affordable price. So that's our value proposition. So see, podcasting is coming up in a very big manner in your uh, everywhere. It gives you know a lot of people that extra power to be themselves to express themselves, and you uh, and you, you know earn also at the same time if that's possible in their you know in their domain that they are. Why should you think the business your business is focused around you know podcast apps? So why do you think podcasters uh, should have their own app, in, in, in fact? Yeah, so the benefit of having a mobile app, I say it's the same benefit of having a website. Um, the only way to monetize your audience is for them to come to your home, right? So your website okay. is your home on the web. You want your listeners to come to your website so they can learn more about you and ultimately convert from being just a consumer of your content to being a supporter of your content. So they can be a customer of maybe your products and services, or they can be a donor um, and support your work financially. That only happens on your own property. So on your website, and if you have a mobile app, it, it can happen on the mobile app. And the cool thing about mobile apps, as you know, is they're in the pockets of your listeners. If your listener downloads the app, it's on their phone, and that's the front door to your studio or your home in the pockets of your listeners. So it's it's a much it's a very easy way for your listeners to re-engage you. You tap a button and you're in uh, your studio, and I can they can consume more content, but they can also then tap a button and buy merchandise or tap a button and support you financially. And it's that conversion piece that I think is the advantage of having a mobile app. So John making podcasts and doing it for your interest, sharing your views is okay. But a lot of creators are now increasingly getting dependent on podcasts as their main source of revenue. Mm -hmm. And that comes to monetization, you know, mm. how does one monetize? You see, you talk to a lot of podcasters, you are a part of their system, you and you understand this area quite well. So how does one monetize their podcast as per standing of the whole business model yeah oh just to go back to your statement i was pointing out myself because <clears throat> um, i don't have a podcast but i listen to a lot of podcasts and it's the primary way that i consume content now i don't watch television i don't go on youtube um, i don't read the news very much anymore i listen to a lot of content so yeah i think there are more and more people like myself um yeah coming into the world but in, in terms of monetizing your content, I, I don't think there are any secrets to this. Um, there are a couple of ways, right? You can grow a huge audience, which is very difficult, um, but some people grow a huge audience first, and then they think about monetizing that audience. They can, you can get sponsorships through advertisers like yourself. Uh, you're being approached by sponsors to, for advertising. That's a, a, that's a primary way for the biggest shows with the biggest audiences. But for most content creators, um, I, I think that's probably not the best way to monetize. I think for most content creators, 
they want to increase engagement with their existing listeners. It may be a smaller audience, but if a, if a host can engage their listeners and invite them to their website, have a relationship with those listeners, um, whether on the website or in a mobile app, that's where conversions can happen. That's where if you offer a service, like if you're a consultant and you have a podcast and that, that's how you get your word out. If your listeners come to your website or, or download, download your mobile app, they may see that you have courses to offer. Um, so you can sell your courses as a way to monetize your content. Or you have a book. They can come to you through your podcast, but they can buy your book. And that's a, that's a way to monetize your content. So I think increasing the engagement with your listeners, if you're a smaller content creator, and um, is the way to monetize because engagement, you need to have engagement in order to convert your customers, your listeners into customers. Right, right. So, uh, John, tell me, is it is it that, uh, how, how do you see it? Uh, do, do websites have better engagement or do podcast apps have better engagement? What's your experience? Does that work better? I think there's a much higher engagement for, for apps. So if you download an app onto your phone, I'm sure you can think about your own experience. Um, I tap into my apps once a day, right? Because uh, they're on okay. the phone and they're only on the phone because I, I want them on the phone. Um, and and they're, they're, uh, they're apps on my phone that I, I want to use every day, right? I, I don't like downloading lots of apps on my phones for no reason. So if, if I download an app, it means I'm going to be using it every day. And so the engagement on apps is, is much, much higher than on the website. Great, John. It's been 54 minutes, 55 minutes. And, and, and I just uh, looked at the clock right now and found that it's been 55 minutes. Uh, it was certainly very, very engaging. And I love talking to you. I and and actually, I learned a lot from, uh, from this whole conversation that we have. And this is not the, it was only the first time, but not the last time. So we will continue to talk. Uh, lots more in, uh, important stuff and, 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 and outwardly things, uh, which is, uh, which is more many times more important than uh, the worldly stuff. Mm -hmm. So on this note, it's a wrap on this edition of the KJ Masterclass. Thank you very much. Have a great day, John. Thanks, Ajay. My pleasure.